0: Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about playing a game on every table in your home at the same time. I'm Brandon.
1: And I'm James. Today we'll be following up our episode with Jeff about small groups of players by talking about large groups of players. I, like I think maybe many people have been spending most of my time the last day or two just watching Luke
0: Cage. <laughs> I've only seen about one episode so far, so if you spoil spoil things, I will go sweet Christmas on you.
1: I just was thinking the whole time as I'm watching it, it feels so much like a single-player game of masks. <laughs> 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 and like all the stuff we were talking about last week of... Wanting to be able to play a character who is super badass, but not wanting to um, step on other people's toes, and the kind of game
0: where when you're playing by yourself, you don't have to worry about that. I believe you owe a dollar to the swear jar. Yes. Yeah, there true. is no cursing in Pop's barbershop. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, uh, you know, Marvel and Netflix are such small companies that we're glad to be able to give them some cross promotion. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah, if yeah, they yeah. would just stick the Stop, Hack, and Roll logo on their front page if only someone
1: would just buy comic books and watch comic book movies then that wouldn't be such a dying industry
0: yeah it's really it's really sad to see this tiny company that is clearly faltering all over the place yeah stanley's a dear personal friend of mine and so i also just want to see him succeed (laughs) because he's he's so he's so important to me yeah So let's move away from small companies and towards really, really big companies that are sitting together playing a game all at the same time.
1: So we figured uh, that following up our episode last week, talking about games with very few players or GMs or no people involved at all, (laughs) um, that it would be appropriate to follow that up with talking about the opposite, talking about playing games with lots of people, talking about playing games
0: with... Multiple GMs, tons of players, all sorts of that stuff. Yeah, this is something that's definitely interested me for a while, and I've been kind of trying to figure out ways to do it.
1: Have you actually had any experience in uh, GMing like, tons of people?
0: So yes and no. I've done a couple of online forum games
1: mm-hmm. that I was
0: running multiple groups that were theoretically in the same setting. But for the most part, they never ended up interacting. And I've also uh, moderated a MUD for a while, mm-hmm. a multi-user dungeon. And so that was a lot of players playing lots of times asynchronously. But you'd have three or four that are in a specifically GMed scene.
1: hmm Yeah, my experience has been mostly that i've i've just i mean depends on what you mean by a lot of players yeah. but i've 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 gm'd at least one game i think that you were in where i think the the fate game i
0: ran had six or
1: seven players
0: oh um, if we're talking six or seven players i ran the the games i ran for the uh as an after school activity those were Ten to twelve player games, because okay. lot. Of I think that still
1: counts. If, okay. if we're going by a, a an average game is somewhere between four to six players, then yeah. So I'm 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 still only at the at the sort of the bottom end of a lot. But okay. Uh, I also played in a in a, a game in college that had I think ten people in it. Maybe I'm just remembering more. But my friends who GM'd it. Uh, They GM'd it together, so it was a dual GM game, which was pretty interesting. Uh, Which I will talk about later, because
0: I ran into some some pitfalls from that. I think our Serenity game at also one point was eight players. So we've had a couple of games that have been larger games. Yeah. And then we've done a couple of things that have touched upon some really large games. So, uh, credentials established. You can yeah. keep listening to this episode. Don't feel like you need to turn it off now.
1: So the, I guess the where I wanted to start, to sort of lay some groundwork, is ask the question and hopefully answer: Why would you want to play a game with this many people? Because I know that for the most part, I have even with just six or seven players, I felt overwhelmed as a GM. So what? Why would you want to play with that many people?
0: I think that the genre that the game is and what exactly the action of the game is has a big part on whether it makes sense to have a lot of people or not. Hmm. I don't want to play a game where 12 people go into a dungeon because although that might be realistic, it, seems a, it feels a little silly.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to play a Serenity game where you're a crew of two or three people because that doesn't feel right. You yeah. want to have that larger sized crew. And I would say the same for something like Star Trek. I think that's I think fitting the genre is definitely one because like we played I can't remember how many people were, it was but when we played Noir World at Metopia last year that was on the sort of the smaller end of large but it worked because like Noir well first of all it was GMless but also uh, Noir works really well because you had. You could have all these different scenes, all these different players, and everyone wasn't in every scene, but that worked for the type of story we were telling
0: if I remember correctly, there were twelve people in the room, eleven yeah. of whom were actively playing, so that yeah. is that is way bigger than Gary Gygax has you gathering for your sure. but we had the like, cleric warrior the cop Mage.
1: and the cops assist, and like the the two cops we had a journalist, we had a photographer. I was some random person. We had... Uh, <laughs> you were a musician. I was a singer. It was awesome. I was a musician
0: slash wannabe criminal slash wannabe hero. We had a thug. We had a young cop. We had a femme fatale, I think. And, and it so was just we... wonderful. And then that game sings like that because yeah. what works with that game is all of the connections between the
1: characters. And... and, and and the thing that i enjoyed about it was we got to have a bunch of little scenes where we followed the journalist or the the cop duo or whoever in in their investigations and 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 seeing behind the scenes and stuff and then the whole game sort of climaxed with a uh, a gala where everyone
0: was suddenly in the scene there was literally one npc in that game because uh my cop had a my good cop had a bad cop npc Right, we're right, going And apart right, okay, from that, I think was... literally every single other character was a PC at the table. Yeah.
1: And that worked because we were all on board to tell that story and were and like it was understandable that my character wouldn't be in every scene, and so I was just cool with that.
0: And, it worked. and I, I know that John is going to be at Metatopia again. I'm really hoping to get into the playtest another time because he's apparently made a whole bunch of changes with it and I'm I'm excited. That is a game to be watching.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's uh, I guess. And then the other thing that I would say, the other reason that I think I think a lot of people stumble into playing with larger groups is you just might have more people. Yeah. We've a couple times, like when I played in college, we had some larger groups just because I convinced a whole bunch of my friends to play, and then
0: over convinced some people. And someone and was like, "Oh, can counting. I bring my? Can I bring my roommate?" Yeah. 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 I think that one of the things that separates the game is whether the players are in are mostly interacting with npcs or whether the characters are mostly interacting with other characters if it is a game about social interaction like noir world like pasión de los pasiones then you want it to be a game with a lot of people at the table because that way you don't need to have any npcs yeah if you're playing urban shadows with 10 people that is the that sounds terrible. I would never, ever, ever want to run Urban Shadows with 10 people. Unless yes, they were cert- literally all of the movers and shakers in the
1: city. And certainly any kind of game where you have... I think if you have a game like D&D where you have some storytelling and some miniature combat, like tactical combat, then that's where you start to like want to not have that many players. I think that maybe there's a line you can cross where if the game is entirely tactics then that's fine to have more players.
0: I don't remember which podcast it was, but I was listening to one that said they had a 12-player 4th edition D&D game, and a full 45 minutes would go by between character actions.
1: See, I would be enjo- I would enjoy playing that maybe once, but you would want to play it if... On- I would only want to play that if every single one of the players knew their character inside and out and like had an incredibly high level of system mastery. Because, and especially with 4th edition, where you have, you have a set of moves, you have a set of abilities, um, it's a little bit more video gamey. the number of things that you're doing in combat is a little bit more limited. If you just knew which one to do and you knew exactly how to execute it like quickly, I think you could make that go fast. And it would yeah. be pretty interesting to see that happen. But if even just one person has to ask a question or needs to reference a book... Then you're suddenly you're gonna grind to a halt.
0: Yeah, I get I get frustrated with long combats at all. I can't imagine with ten to twelve people. But hey, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so I when when I was thinking about this for the last like week or so, um, I kind of thought about how to manage large groups. So we've kind of established that you want to play with a large group, or at least for the purposes of this podcast.
0: You have so many friends that all want to play this game with you.
1: And so the way that you would deal with that, because the other assumption I'll kind of put in is that unless you are an expert GM playing with like 12 to 24 to whatever how many people with just one GM is probably not going to work. Just because that's a lot of people for the GM to manage and to spit story at and and assist.
0: Also, just in terms of it being a story, not yeah. many of our story structures that we have, if you look in media, if you look in books, 24 is a lot of main characters. 12 is a lot of main characters. Like, yeah. people talk about how George R. R. Martin has dozens and dozens and dozens of characters... But there's maybe 10 main characters, and the rest of them are side.
1: And also, they're all dead. Well, besides the fact that they're all dead, those stories are written more like concurrent, like five or six different concurrent stories um, rather than one large story. They're just happening adjacent to each other in the same world
0: which brings us nicely into the first way that we have to deal with many players
1: yeah so one of the first and easiest things you could do is split up your group we talked about our experience playing noir world and one of the ways you could have done that differently if it if you weren't playing that setting is you could split the group in half have half be the police officers and journalists and sort of people who are seeking out the knowledge, and have the other people be the movers and shakers that are sort of moving things in the background, but aren't the sort of the 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 B plot characters. And then play them as two different groups through a bunch of different means and but have them be in the same world.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And for playing in the same world, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You could have literally two gms sitting in different rooms in the same house playing concurrent games and yeah. maybe occasionally texting each other or you could do yeah. like every every other week you're playing with one group or the other
1: a, a really a good example of this is the dungeons and randomness podcast it is a fourth edition actual play podcast it's been going on for a while now uh, and they have they started with one group of people and then they expanded to a second group. I think now they're up to four groups of people, and it's just the same guy GMing, and they meet uh, frequently to record. And I think they were they release an episode a week. And there's just four different groups of people playing in this same world. And when one group does something, it it will alter something that's going on in the other group, and and they and because some of the the characters are sort of. They've been around longer. They are epic level characters. They ha- affect- They
0: do things and affect things and make choices that affect their characters. That's cool stuff. I wanted to do that a while back with our group. Yeah. And I think I'm still going to push for it now that we're actually local to do an ongoing fantasy world with different gems and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You and I have that game world we've been working on yeah, a little bit. that's true. Uh, yeah, so my example is somewhat similar to that. It's this isn't an actual play podcast. It's a discussion podcast called The Gauntlet. It's definitely worth checking out. But they have they run so many games. It's almost inconceivable. Like it, it's at least five or six games every single week, uh, and they do like a lot of online play. Great community. Uh, but two of the things that they have going on are the Company of the Three Kings, which is run by the host of the show Jason, and the other thing is Gauntlet City Limits, run by another host, Rich. And so basically what it is, is uh, Company of the Three Kings is a dungeon world world that all of the players in a bunch of different games are part of this mercenary group, the Company of the Three Kings. And they have a guild hall that they're able to improve with money and leave different items for each other and borrow different things from that uh and so that you just have these characters that recur and are able to go back and this big building fame so instead of having just a long campaign it's a bunch of one to four shots that all benefit one story uh gauntlet city limits i think is a little more complicated rich runs a whole bunch of different BBTA games powered by the apocalypse games and sets all of them in the same city
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm really... I want so badly for Rich to start putting up APs of Gauntlet City Limits, and it could be that he does. I know he has a very active YouTube channel. But that just sounds so cool. So those are both examples of
1: times where you have a GM running for multiple people in the same world. And I I think the two things that make that... The things that make that more like one large group rather than a bunch of small groups is that like so in in dungeons and randomness one of the things that they often do is they have the two groups so there's four groups they're kind of broadly spread ac- out across the uh, the continent right and and so they have they'll do things where like the one group starts a war and then that war will have repercussions to the other groups or the one of the groups accidentally lets out Some zombies. Now those zombies will eventually make their way across the continent. Or um, there was a major plot point where they released a dragon. And that dragon flew around and sort of messed with all the other groups. But they also do big crossover events where they have...
0: Get everyone together?
1: Where they put everyone together. And I don't know if they've done more than two groups, but they'll definitely get at least like 10 to 12 people together or whatever the two groups are and they they've been on other opposite sides of conflicts and they've had pv actual like interesting pvp combat which is cool um oh my and, gosh i need to listen to this this sounds awesome and and they and, and for me the thing that makes it the most like a big group is that they've had characters move between groups and there have been a couple times where for political or whatever reasons they've scrambled the groups and after a big battle people have chosen sides and then those are the new groups
0: Oh, we talked about doing this with an ongoing masks game that ended up not really getting off the ground because I was living yeah. in New York. That we were going to have kind of an X-Men Academy on one side and then more scattered street level yeah. characters on the other with some crossovers. That I might have really to cool. do that. I, I That is still itching in my brain, but I want to do it with two smaller groups. We yeah. started with seven players in one group and like two in the other and that doesn't work. I think
1: there are a lot of really interesting things you can do when you have multiple groups all sort of playing in the same world. I was thinking that it would be very interesting to do not only just multiple groups of people in the same universe, but also multiple groups maybe in the same area at different
0: time frames. Okay. And so do like a... You could do a... Play Dogs in the Vineyard in Wild West and then go back and play some Dungeon World in the fantasy yeah, world that it was something in like Something like that. Something that makes
1: sense. Or you could do like a Mask Saint or an Urban Shadows game in a city and then play a, an Apocalypse World game mm. where like the main characters are trying to stop in the, in the, in the Urban Shadows game or trying to stop an apocalypse from happening.
0: Oh my gosh. But the understanding
1: is that they know it, they won't. And then the Apocalypse World characters are playing after the
0: Apocalypse. And then you need to play some undying, and have those, like, four or five characters go through from the beginning of time to the end. And Yeah, you could have crossover characters.
1: That'd be we, very cool. We
0: might need to start our own Gauntlet City Limits-style thing <laughs> with a whole bunch of things in one world.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think the thing that makes that one big group... And not just a GM running similar games are those interactions, the repercussions, the, uh, the availability and the option for characters to move between groups, um, to run into each other and sort of live in the world. And I think that as a benefit, other than just letting all your friends play, it gives you a fleshed out story Especially if you're playing, like we were talking about games that have few NPCs because you've got so many characters, so mm-hmm. many real players playing all the characters. That will make the world feel really lived in.
0: Yeah. I'm also just thinking, uh, especially with the Company of Three Kings, that they have a Google document that has the list of every item in the in their guild hall. It's super cool being able to say, hey, where did we get the Horned Thelm... The- where did we get the horned helmet of Grok Throsh and have someone else be able to say, Oh, we got that when we went into the the water temple and and that just feels super cool to me.
1: Yeah, that would be it would be very interesting, similar to that, um playing uh we played a bit of Blades in the Dark, and that was like a, yeah. a heist game. And where that where a big part of the game was focusing on improving your your thieving guild and it's and your thieving hall, that sort of thing. if you had multiple groups all working out of that thieving hall, then you could all
0: pour into improving that base. I've been considering writing up a dungeon world supplement to essentially port some of that stuff from Blades in the Dark over. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I think that would be a lot of fun to do. Maybe make like an entertainer's guild. Or a Thieves Guild. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: there were, there were some... Blades in the Dark was a, an interesting game that I think had some rough patches. Yeah. But there were a lot of things in it that I really liked. And the, all of the sort of guild building, all the, the the HQ stuff, was very interesting to me. The other thing that I have written down in my notes for alternate ways to play with lots of people is sort of to have one core group of players who are the main characters, they are the the people who are sitting around the table and then have a way for other people who are in the room observing or not in the room to interact with the play to either jump in and be NPCs or do a bunch of other things. And an example of this is uh one shot podcast has been starting to do some streaming stuff and they've been doing this dungeon rats game where people can watch on Twitch and then the chat can interact with the characters and sort of, in, give, it's mostly, I think, giving the GM uh, ideas and things, setting facts.
0: That's pretty cool. Uh, I know Critical Role also had players vote on an encounter, which is a little bit less direct than I think Dungeon Rats is. But Dungeon Rats is also on a smaller scale, which makes that much more possible to do. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. That's one I've been wanting to watch. I haven't gotten a chance yet.
1: I mean... You know, in a way, on um, you just did an episode of uh, the Party of One podcast with Jeff, and the, the rooms that you guys explored in that podcast were submissions from groups, and that's sort of a time-delayed group, but, like, when you hit on a, a room by that person, that person feels like they're engaged in the game.
0: Yeah, that's very true. So we had, I, I guess we had something like... 12 GMs and two players. And and
1: so you guys did it that way where you had a bunch of people submit things and then you recorded, but you could also easily have done that streaming or something live and had people interact sort of in real time. That'd be, be cool. a
0: really that'd be a really fun event. The I'd love to see a thing where a couple of people are in the game and then you basically randomly generate from the chat and say, "Hey, you're in charge now."
1: Yeah, I wonder how, I have to to look into the technical difficulties behind this, but it'd be really interesting to see if you could have, because you can do um, Hangouts Live, or YouTube Live, whatever it is now, where you have a bunch of people who are streaming, and they are the ones who you can see. I wonder how difficult it would be to pull people from the chat into that call quickly, and then drop them, to pull people in to be NPCs, and actually let them not just type, but... Talk and and even if it was just audio, um, rather than the GM playing all the NPCs, pulling in NPCs as needed from character, from player, from from viewers in the audience. That'd be fantastic to figure out. That idea of connecting with people, viewers online, and letting them influence the game sort of nicely bridges the gap between. A group where you're splitting up the uh, a large group where you've split up some of the players to one large group where you're trying to maintain all those people in one room and dealing with that by having multiple GMs.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so, like the one, the way that you could do that is have input and sort of game creation assisted
0: by people on Twitch. Yeah, definitely. Have you?
1: ever played in a game with multiple gms
0: i've not played in a live game with multiple gms i've played in a forum game with multiple gms and i've played you know muds and mucks that i talk about all Mm -hmm. the time i did once and it was interesting it was
1: mostly done because the the people the two women who were gming it were pretty fresh to gaming. I think it was literally the first game they ever GM'd and they mostly just wanted the the safety of having another brain there with them helping plan right. rather than but also the group was not the smallest group. Uh, and it was interesting. It, it it had its it had its upsides and it had its downsides. And sort of one of the, the pitfalls there that I'd like to talk about. You have to watch so the benef- one of the benefits of having multiple GMs is that they can do multiple things at the same time in the way that one GM can't. Right. They can split off, and you can answer one player's questions or a group of players' questions while the other GM is doing something else. Which is good, unless you have kind of a scumbaggy player who takes advantage of that. Okay. Like I did.
0: Oh, good, good.
1: And so we were playing a Serenity game. And I made this character who I had set out to break the Serenity system uh, from the start. And because it was, it, was a, it was a game that involved balancing points, and one of the ways you could do that was take a bunch of negatives and to give yourself more points to spend on skills. So I made my character, like, I, made, I was a pilot, and I made him blind. And we justified this in the story because I had all these points to spend to say that I had some really cool uh, hacking tech because I was a hacker. And so I had data jacks where I could input the the piloting data straight into my brain. And that was how technically I piloted.
0: In a Serenity game.
1: In a Serenity game. So I was a little bit off theme. Yeah, maybe a
0: little off theme.
1: But they went with it. Okay. And, yeah, that's, so, that's GM prerogative. Ignoring, it would ignoring the my... fact that I was totally breaking this game, um, we had a scene where the group. I was just so I just wanted to tell you that to establish the fact that my character is blind. So when my and character a and a pilot, and so for the, and and I was also the group hacker. And so what I did from in in an actual adventure was frequently stay behind with the ship, and interact with the the rest of the adventure through computers. Okay. And so for oh, one like, adventure, oh, like a
0: Shadowrun kind of thing.
1: Like a Shadowrun kind of thing. And so what I did in this, we were trying to break into a fancy building to steal some piece of ancient tech. And so as my friends are planning how they're going to break in, what their plan is, how they're going to deal with security, I pull one of the GMs aside and say, "Hey, can I spoof credentials on a phone call and call the security group and tell them?" that I'm calling from their main security headquarters and that there's going to be a test run and that they should let the test agents in. Uh, they should expect for alarms to go off. They should ignore those alarms and just uh, not worry about it. And, okay. I, I, and because I had built this broken character, I was a very good hacker. I was able to sort of socially engineer my way into the situation. And I did this with all, all without the rest of my group knowing <laughs> because we had two GMs. Right. And so they're planning this big combat and and prepping for it. They roll in, show up at the front door, and the guard there says, oh yeah, we were expecting you, just walk right in. They walk right in, they take the thing off the pedestal, it sets the alarm off, they go to leave, and the guard's like, all right, see you later. And they were very confused and a little angry at me that I had kind of ruined this combat that they were really excited for. Yeah, you, you took away the, the big heist. And so it was a great moment for me of, I've solved this problem in a different way, And I was able to do it in secret because there were multiple GMs. Um,
0: But in retrospect, I kind of regret it a little bit because I do realize now that I ruined some people's fun. In traditional games, there's often a lot of note passing to the GM of, Hey, I secretly steal the paladin's holy water and replace it with glue. Yeah. That just if you were playing a less traditional game, you'd be saying that out loud and then high-fiving the paladin's player.
1: Yeah, and and also, it was a thing that I would have done in character had there only been one GM, and in retrospect, the reason it was a problem mostly was because there were two GMs, and so I was able to do it all without the rest of the characters really knowing what was going on, or without even really the players knowing what was going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that still falls into the same trap of characters that do things alone. Yeah. That works really well for a one-player game as we talked about last week but when you have the rogue that says oh i'm just gonna sneak in and infiltrate and do half the adventure that's boring
1: so moral of my story is if you're gonna run a, a multiple gm group just be aware that you're touching back with your other gm that all of the players know what all the other players are doing and that you shouldn't be hiding things from each other
0: yeah as a as the second gm You would want to go, okay, yo, everybody, time out. A big action has just taken place. It's going to really change what's going on. Yeah. So with that, we're talking about having a good chunk of players at the table and two GMs, maybe three GMs if you have entirely too many friends. Uh, If you do, try to pare it down to four to six. That's the ideal number of friends to have. But uh, online, there's actually some other really cool things you can do. And one of my very favorites of them is playing a game where there is one player and as many GMs as happen to see the post. So the best example I know of for this is a game called The Doomed Pilgrim. I think it was possibly written by McGay Baker or possibly McGay and Vincent because they do a lot of projects together.
1: So this is, it is a Night Sky Games game, which is the publishing company of Meg Baker. A Doomed Pilgrim is one part of the Sundered Lands game, which is a series of five single-page games. We can link to this. This is a the, the thread of A Doomed Pilgrim from their website from 2013 that looks like Vincent is playing. And it looks pretty long. I'll post that link. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's an interesting concept of, like, a fat... Th- like I think I joked about a game with a thousand GMs, but this is actually pretty close.
0: The idea is that one person is the player, and that player answers... One person is the player, and they just ask questions. And they're a character that is going on this pilgrimage that I think they're going to fail. I might be wrong. There's a possibility that there is success but I think I think it's the doomed pilgrim for a reason and basically the way the game works is you subscribe to the thread and then when the player asks questions you answer her if you feel you have a good answer. So this ends up being an enormous amount of GMs and just one player giving going through this uh, great twisting turning adventure from all these different ideas. Additionally, I think it has to be done in a format that has a very linear response setup. I think Twitter would work really, really badly for it because it creates the branching response paths. But on Facebook or G+, or something like that, that you can, or even a forum actually, that you can get just the linear story that you read through, all you have in it is a bunch of foreboding messages of no gods watch over you, the questions and the answers. If someone super famous decided, if Beyonce decided, that she wanted to play the doomed pilgrim, she could probably get a thousand GMs without too much trouble. Uh, But I I don't think I have enough followers that I could play the doomed pilgrim. Yeah, it's interesting. Something to explore. But maybe someday. (laughs) I want to try it sometime, yeah. If you play the doomed pilgrim, let me know, and I will totally be one of your GMs. I was initially saying that to James, but that goes for any listeners as well. So, like, so in my example of multiple GMs,
1: or really in the in the Doom program too, you're talking about multiple people who are all GMing the same group, uh, or mm-hmm. one person, and sort of functionally all the GMs are fulfilling the same role, but they can kind of just do split brain stuff because there's two of them. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you could do is that I've heard people talk about is have split role GMs.
0: I was going to bring that up it, as well, actually.
1: And it's a thing that you and I, I think, have even talked about where, like, I'm really good at story and I'm good at creating the world, but I'm garbage at role-playing NPCs. And that's a thing that I think you are especially good at. Right. And so we could we could co-GM a group and I could help sort of design combats and build the world and then you could do um, and and sort of be the sort of system mastery person and run a lot of the dice rolling and you could focus on creating interesting NPCs and then role playing those NPCs and making the world feel large and lived in.
0: For that matter, when I'm in a situation that I have a couple of NPCs and I need to have a conversation with myself, I'd way rather turn to a player that isn't in that scene and say, hey... You're a dread vampire. This is what you want. And start playing that. Yeah. I've started to do that a little bit. I'm gonna you're gonna be seeing much more of it now that we're we'll gonna be playing together on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm excited. But so, yeah, that's another way to do co-GMing is just have players that take over the NPCs.
1: hmm I've offered to do a similar thing with other friends who wanted to get into to running games, uh, but didn't feel like they had that level of Sort of expertise with a system where I'd said I'll just do all the game mechanicing don't worry about it at all you just come up with the story that you want to tell and then we can GM together and and no one has
0: yet taken me up on it but you could have uh, a hype man that sits there and just holding up the list of basic moves and says that sounds like you're reading a stitch yeah
1: yeah in that split of duties reminds me of the way that like movies get made You don't have one person doing everything, but you do have the director who's kind of running things. You have the writers who have created the world. You have costumers who are helping create the costumes. You have... um, The
0: original movie
1: you're rebooting. Yeah, the original movie you're rebooting. You have a person whose job it is to just make sure that all the continuity makes sense, to make sure the rules are being followed, that if a, a thing was here in this scene when we cut, it can't be in a different place, that sort of thing. And so if you have... A larger group of gms and even an infinite number of players then you can sort of treat it like you're sort of filming a tiny movie which doesn't just doesn't have the camera
0: it's almost like taking the obnoxious player behavior of being a rules lawyer and making it a, co- a codified thing yeah then- actually helps the game
1: yeah that's interesting because i would say for me the 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 annoying thing about someone being a rules lawyer is that it forces everyone to stop what they're doing and go look something up but if you have a person whose job it is is to solely make sure everyone's on rules well then you can rules lawyer all you want because the gm and the rules lawyer gm can sort of split brain and do both things at once and then not you wouldn't be
0: slowing down the game This goes into a big conversation about rules versus rulings that I think we aren't going to have right now. Yeah. But hit us up on social media if you want to talk about that.
1: So the last thing that I wanted to talk about is we've talked about splitting up the group. We've talked about splitting up the GM. And I think that there is no reason why you couldn't do both. And this, and sort of the thing that got me thinking about this was in the last episode of the modifier podcast, our hashtag
0: podcast rival.
1: Um, Meg spoke with Acer and Megan Tolentino. And the episode is great. It's all about um, gaming as a visually impaired or blind person. Um, and and Acer is, and Megan are both interesting people to listen to. Um, but one of the things they touched on is they participated in a, a con game that had multiple people... Uh, multiple groups of players and multiple GMs. And so there were a bunch of tables that each had a group and each table had its own GM and they were all playing sort of in the same world or they were playing in like different connected universes. And then players would be spat back and forth between groups. Um, and I think that if you're interested in that, Meg has said that one of her next coming, coming up or one of her next episodes is going to be specifically on, that sort of multiple party, multiple table, consecutive GMing games.
0: Yeah, that was actually an exceptionally interesting game for it to be, also because it was a game that had some different portals to different universes. It sounded like. I believe it was a, um, it was one of the the
1: um, Gumshoe games where you have characters like in a Cthulhu world trying to investigate things.
0: That could totally be right. I'm forgetting some of the details right now. But I'm also just picturing a Narnia game
1: Yeah, that you have
0: some players that are in the real world, some players that aren't, and then you get some of that cool time dilation stuff going on because maybe in the real world the GM says, okay, now we move forward a year and a half.
1: Did you ever read The Magicians?
0: I did not read The Magicians.
1: The Magicians has some interesting Narnia stuff like that. Um, and one of the interesting things that you could do in, a, in a, sort of one of those games would be have four or five tables with GMs telling stories. You're, and then everyone is playing in the same Narnia world, but there are only four or five characters. Mm. And everyone is playing a different age time for, for those characters. Because one of the things that happens in The Magician's is that oh. the characters frequently go back into the Narnia world and are able to sort of mess with themselves from the past.
0: So so I might be Peter, age 14. Yeah. You might be King Peter. Okay, I can see that. I also just want to write a Narnia game at some point. Yeah.
1: You might discover that the big bad guy you've been fighting as a kid is actually one of your friends from the future who's come back to try to push you in a
0: better direction. I'm totally gonna write a multi-table Narnia game now. Yeah. Add that to the wheel. I think that's games. pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And even just playing um, the other, the other idea I'd had was playing a. Uh, I'm gonna out myself as being a
0: a big a person who watches a lot of CW uh, superhero TV shows. I think it is very clear already that we watch CW TV shows <laughs> because everyone knows my love of urban fantasy. It's so one of the things that happened in the last season of The Flash
1: was they they dealt with sort of multiple worlds theory stuff and had different versions of different characters from the different universes cross over and I so need having to
0: watch this show I love that kind of having garbage.
1: like they go to like Earth three and Earth or Earth two or whatever and it's like almost like their world but a little bit more steampunky
0: and, and then they and go it to was world then they go to Earth three where everyone has a beard. Then they go to Earth Four, where everything is on fire. Yeah, actual Marvel worlds, though with the wrong number. Yeah,
1: but so having kind of multiple worlds, even if you're not playing the same characters, but having multiple similar worlds that have had similar events but tweaked would be very interesting to have multiple groups playing and then having crossover stuff. I like a, a sort of super that superhero story of multiple worlds is really interesting, and you can do that with just one group. Where you cross over into a different universe and experience what the other world is like, but it would be even cooler if when you get there, it's another group that has been playing in a different universe. So, playing like multiple masks groups would be cool, not in the same city, but in different iterations of iterations and like universes of the same city.
0: You could have a Age of Apocalypse group and a modern day group. Yeah. And I think there's actually even a Masks playbook that is about that concept. Huh. It's one of the new backer ones that cool. I don't know when that's coming out super officially.
1: So, initially we wanted to have someone, or I wanted to have someone come on the show who had some more experience with LARPing, but one of the things that I was thinking of is, it's my understanding, and you can correct me if you know more about this than I do, that in, in some of the larger LARP structures in the way that you have split job, that I was talking about split job GMs, you can have the same thing with larger groups. So you might have four or five people who are sort of responsible for running everything, but a couple people who are, like, just responsible for making sure rules are being followed, some people who are making sure that, like, healthy mental practices are being followed, or people who are just there to be, like, notaries and witnesses to to record things, um, or sort of elevated responsibility players, like... Um, All a lot of the one-shot people have talked about going to the New World Magiscola, where you had players who were playing teachers who had sort of slightly more responsibility to push stories in certain ways, um, but were still basically players. And so you can have all these different kinds of GMs.
0: This actually, I think, really is very similar to how some of the online text-based MUDs go. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That you have... And so, just as an explanation, if you don't know this... These were big online games that you role played exclusively through text, and you basically would play a character continuously. And so you when you log off, you're able to log on later with the same characters. And whenever you're online, you can role play and do adventures and all that kind of stuff. And in some of them, you would have, well, in all of them, you would have wizards, the people that run the game. And they are creating the game. They are dealing with problem players different things like that and in some of them you'd also have specific role play moderators that would go on and tell stories at different points that would emit different that would spoof themselves as different npcs different gods in the world potentially and so you have this continuous game where players are able to just interact with each other and you're able to do GM intrusions, which I think is also true for some of these larger LARPs, that the players can just play with each other. They can just role play together. But when it's time for a large-scale event, you can have the GMs come in and say, okay, this is something that we're focusing in on. And I think that's especially true for some of these really big LARPs like Magiscola, New World Magiscola.
1: Yeah. So I think we've covered a lot of really interesting ideas for how to deal with having lots of people in your group. I think that maybe we didn't answer the question, how do you deal with GMing a group of 15 players when it's just you? (laughs) We kind of said, manufacture a bunch of different circumstances so that it isn't that.
0: Well, so I think to deal, to GM a group of 15 players when it's just you is play a game that is all social interaction between the PCs. Just don't allow a lot of NPCs to come up or assign those NPCs when you do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's still daunting. And maybe we'll have to come back and and do an episode on that and how you can tweak the rules of a game to sort of deal with that better. Push the the social interactions. I think we covered a lot of topics. Hopefully people can take some of this away. And uh, I want to see... Maybe we'll have to do it ourselves, but I want to see more uh, actual play podcasts with multiple groups all functioning in the same world.
0: Yeah, I'd like like—I'd really like to see that also. But Stop, Hack, and Roll, we're starting to think about the future and thinking about expanding our network. So get in contact with us about ideas and things like that as well. All right, so that is our chat on games with more players than normal. Uh, I think there's probably more ground to cover. But we have an amount of time that we do, (laughs) so maybe we'll have to redux this. And so if you have interesting thoughts on it, hit us up. We love hearing from people, and you can help us to come up with better ideas. We even just sometimes at the beginning of an episode, we want to be able to say, from two weeks ago, this person said this. So let us know. We want to be
1: involved. For most of these topics... We have more stuff that we want to talk about uh, that we cut out to keep the episodes reasonable. and And we'd love to come back and revisit some of these topics and the best way we know to do that is if you engage with us and say, this is a topic that we're interested in. Exactly. And the best way for you to engage with us is on Twitter, where our show is uh, at Stop Hack and Roll and I, James, am at End the Meltdowns
0: and I am at Dr. Captain Kobold and there's this odd twitter account that we can't truly explain at at my cast. not sure what's up with that
1: yeah, it may or may not be a future plan you can also email us at james or
0: brandon at stophackandroll.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash stophackandroll
1: you can find all of our show notes and actually listen to the episodes at stophackandroll.com which is our sort of underappreciated website
0: Underappreciated mostly by us. Mostly we're by us. We're also on G+, and on Tumblr. I want to start doing more with that. I haven't. Um, and we have a single actual play on YouTube. Uh,
1: and check us out on... on. Um, uh, you can find us on iTunes, or PocketCasts Casts, or a bunch of different podcast uh, websites. Um, if you find one that we're not on, please let me know. I'd like to make sure we get there. And if you're uh, bopping around and you feel like you want to leave us a, a review or a bunch of stars,
0: uh, that definitely helps uh, get our rating up and get our name out there, and we appreciate that a lot. As does telling people about the show. Um, yeah. We have this wonderful community that we're starting to interact with, and we both just feel so blessed to be a part of it. But just, I guess, thank you. Yeah. And keep doing it. Yeah,
1: and so as you're sitting down on a typical average Friday night with your thousand friends trying to decide what game you want to play uh, and conversing amongst your other thousand GMs, uh, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll.
0: Wait, Vincent and McGay Baker like apocalyptic worlds. I know it's crazy. That seems so weird. I would never have expected it. <laughs> Watch Young Justice. I haven't watched Young Justice. I know that yeah, I need to. There's some stuff in there like that. I'm gonna say ensigns because Enzy- I ensigns. I, I, don't, I don't. I've never watched much Star Trek. I've only seen the new ones. Also,
1: ensign is just a. It's a real word from the world.